Jeremiah 18 is uh, the verses for tonight, or some of them. I just said to Kevin that um, I'll deal with some of them, but not all of them. Uh, It's an interesting chapter that perhaps uh, is for another time as well. But I'll read it tonight from my version, if you don't mind. And... uh, Verse 1 says, The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, Go down to the shop where the clay pots and jars are made, and I will speak to you while you're there. So I did as he told me and found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So the potter squashed the jar into a lump of clay and started over again. Then the Lord gave me this message, O Israel, Can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. If I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, but then that nation renounces its evil ways, I will not destroy it as I had planned. And if I announce that I will build up and plant a certain nation or kingdom, making it strong and great, but then... That nation turns to evil and refuses to obey me. I will not bless that nation as I had said I would. Therefore, Jeremiah, go and warn all of Judah and Jerusalem. Say to to them, this is what the Lord says. I am planning disaster against you instead of good. So turn from your evil ways, each of you, and do what is right. But they replied, don't waste your breath. We'll continue to live as we want to and following our own evil desires. We'll just stop there. There's a lot more in that chapter, but you don't want to be here for two or three hours, do you? Nor do I. Um, you know, I've struggled with this, um, these verses, believe it or not. I've heard them preached on many, many times. And the more I looked at them and I thought, what actually is behind all this? You see, when, I, when I've got a subject, where well, I've given a subject, or I find God giving me one, I, I, I try to look behind the whole incident, whether it's a parable, it's a story, and, to, and see what God is saying today. It's so easy to go and, as a preacher and just take a, a passage and talk through the passage and miss what God's saying today. No, I hope I've not missed what God's saying today. Because I believe that behind the, the, the whole point of these verses about the potter, we're talking about the sovereignty of God. Now, we just had communion together. We've taken bread and we've taken, and drunk wine. And, and the whole um, occasion reminds us of all that God has done for us through Jesus. You see, Jesus has provided that way of salvation for every one of us to come into an intimate relationship with God the Father. And believe it or not, the real reason is that God might enjoy our company. Now, that might surprise you, and you can take issue with me afterwards. Please do. 
But that is what I believe the overriding desire of God was when he sent Jesus to deal with our sins was that he might enjoy our company and our, our life together uh, as father and child. So the question tonight, and I'd like you to take this one away and, and think about during the week, and if I'm wrong, then tell Kevin and he'll tell me. So the question is, what is God's main purpose or desire now for us in our lives? Now I believe, and I've believed this for a long time and I've preached about it before, that the overriding purpose of our lives and that the desire that God has for us is that we become like Jesus. I'll, I'll try and match that to the clay and the potter in a minute. You see, the, the, it's not... I believe that we put cart before the horse as evangelical Christians. You know, it, it is very, very difficult, one would suggest, for a horse to push a cart. Right, Austin? It's far better to put the horse in front of the cart and then it works. But you see, our problem, I believe, for the evangelical church, and I've been in it um, for a long, lot longer than 50 years, is that we, we, we want to really emphasize and push on with serving God. And we do that be before we actually know God. You know, Jesus said to, he said to his disciples more than once, he said, come on chaps, um, let's go up into the mountain and spend a while there. And when he's done that, he then sends them out to serve him. And the trouble is, if we go out without knowing him, then we can be picked off quite easily uh, by the devil himself. You see, Romans 8.29, I better get this right, says this. Well, it did just now. Here it is. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are according, called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Or another version says that we might be conformed to the image or the likeness of Jesus. Now you just think about that. That that is God's deep, deep desire. His deep purpose is his will for us. Is, is, he's just committed to it that we might be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. To be just like him. And that's why I've talked about this is the sovereignty of God. You see, you get the clay here and a potter takes the clay and he shapes it to his design. 
Sometimes it goes wrong and others it doesn't. And so the Father takes us as the clay and then wants to shape us to be like Jesus. Now it's not that simple at times because um, Hebrews, it repeats what was said in the Old Testament. It says, my child, don't ignore it when the Lord disciplines you. Oops. And don't be discouraged when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes those he accepts as his children. And so as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own child. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and are not really his child after all. So God, in his wisdom, can take us and through various means can discipline us to be like Jesus. You see, God, interestingly, loves us absolutely and completely. He loves us to bits. You know, that's the whole point. God is love. And he reaches out to us in love. And he loves us completely, absolutely. And he can't love us. He loved us yesterday. He'll keep loving us tomorrow as much as he loves us today. But... He loves us too much to leave us as we are. And I find that incredible. That God loves me, but there is that within that love that he wants to shape me and change me to be like Jesus. But there is a bit of difference here between us and a block of clay. You see, the clay had no choice. When the potter picks it up and starts molding it and making it wet, then the, the, the clay can't shout, stop, stop, I don't want to do this. It's got to do what the potter um, designs it to do. But you see, with us, there needs to be a willingness on our part to be like Jesus, to be shaped by the Father. And look, God is a God of love, so he won't take us by the scruff of the neck and, and drag us into his presence and start berating us because we are not any more like Jesus than we were 10 years ago. That is not how love works. So there must be a willingness. If we want to be like Jesus, then there has got to be that willingness for us to be like him. You know, there's that old song that I love to bits, and Austin will now smile, um, that it goes like this, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Break me. You know, the modern versions won't use that word. They don't like it. Break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. And use me, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. And that is what, how God will shape us. There are times when he's going to break us. 
I don't know what how the the potter gets. You know, the clay very often is hard, and now he gets that to um, pliable to be able to operate with. But I believe that if if we show a willingness, God will break us, and 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 melt us. I love that. Just imagine God melting us, and to be able to mold us, and to be able to fill us in order to use us. And that's how God operates. He does it most of the time gently. There are times when he has got to get us hold by the ear and pull us along if we're being a bit reluctant. But there's another lovely um, song that actually we're going to sing now. Good old Tom, he's agreed to play this one for me. I always do this. I always change the last song. Um, when I come here, but then you've got brilliant musicians. And this is it. This is Marilyn Baker's song from 1981, believe it or not. Uh, And it goes like this. Jesus, you're changing me. There it is. By your spirit, you're making me like you. Jesus, you're transforming me that your loveliness may be seen in all I do. You are the potter. I am the clay. Help me to be willing to let me have your way. Jesus, you're changing me as I let you reign supreme within my heart. See, when the potter we find out here, which is this is all about these verses, that there has been a flaw in the pot that he's making. And the Lord's saying to Jeremiah, you know, I've got, I'm allowed to be able to, just like that potter can take that clay and smash it and start it again. God will not do that to us, by the way. So that's where the um, illustration falls down. But then the, the, the potter then starts again with this, um, again with the same piece of clay. But you know, God is so gracious with us that whatever situation we've got ourselves into, and as we seek him, he remakes us. He melts us and then starts molding us. You know, that... I come back, God loves us too much to leave us as we are. No matter what our character, no matter where we are with Jesus, no matter what, because God eventually has got to get us to heaven. And as we get towards heaven, hopefully we're becoming more and more like Jesus. You know, as I said this morning that uh, um, we, we, um, we buried my, my great friend Steve last Wednesday, and, well, Steve was not the saint, he, or he was a saint, but he was a rascal. Um, I won't tell you now, being such a congregation of what his uncle said to Joe about him. Um, but he was waiting for heaven, and now he's there. He's reached, he's like Jesus you know, I prayed that morning, last fortnight ago, he's just been dead two weeks. And I said, Jesus, please come and get him. 
because he's had enough. And God, Jesus took him. The sad thing for me, I wanted to be there when he went, but that was his daughter's privilege. See, one day we shall be in his presence and there won't be a need to be ever wondering whether we should be or shouldn't be because we will be. But doesn't matter what, you know, so often we, we drift away from God. We drift away and do our own thing. But the whole time as a Christian that we are drifting away from God, God is still reaching out, reaching out, reaching out to pull us back to himself, to put us back onto that remodeling road to make us more like Jesus. It's all very well saying that we've got to be like Jesus, but then the question comes up, but how? You know, it's, it's, it's a bit up there, isn't it, talking about being like Jesus? I believe that first and foremost that we need to have time to be still in the presence of God. Because it's only then that God can get through to us. And you can't escape the fact, I've, I've got, by the way, I've got no formula that I can produce tonight new to make us more like Jesus. It is still the old, old way. We need to be in his presence we need to feed on the word of God and we need to seek God in prayer. See, prayer comes into, you know, just as this morning we were talking much about prayer, it comes into here as well because how else is God going to communicate with us unless we read his word, unless we talk to him and listen to him. But I'm going to tell you this. I can't do it, even following this formula, without help. And you know, Jesus took care of that. Because when he was, you know, in the great chapters of John 15, 16, 17, that he told us there, he said, I will send you the counsel of the Spirit of Truth. And he will come to you from the Father and will tell you all about me. And then you can tell others. There is so much more, Jesus said, I want to tell you, but you can't hear it now. When the Spirit of God of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not be presenting his own ideas. He will be telling you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by revealing to you whatever he receives from me. All that the Father has is mine, and this is what I mean when I say that the Spirit will reveal to you whatever the Father, uh, whatever he receives from me. And this is, you know, we come back again, that the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus or by the Father, in the place of Jesus. Jesus said, here's one who is just like me. And he will be the one that will help us. He is described so often as the helper. And this, I love this. Galatians 6. He's talking about us being like Jesus. 
And it says, Paul says this to the Galatians, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here there is no conflict with the law. And so if we're living now by the Holy Spirit, let us follow the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Now if you look through those, that list of nine of the fruit of the Spirit, that is a total, total description of Jesus. And so it's the Holy Spirit that will produce, if we are willing will produce in us this kind of fruit. So that's the how. Simple. If we're a willing. But, there's always a how and a but, isn't there? Unfortunately, I find that so many of us are so busy doing things for God There's still no time for God to shape us. And that is a big, big problem. I've said that here before. I believe it passionately. The evangelical church of which I've been part of for years have been chasing their tails, doing things when God is screaming out to us saying, stop, stop for a moment. Will you spend time with me? Because I want to shape you to be like Jesus. That if you produce this fruit that the Holy Spirit will be allowed to, then you will be effective in your witness. You see, the trouble is with, um, with so much of when we talk, look at Scripture is that there's two nasty words that come up. Submission and discipline. You can't escape them. You can't hide them under the carpet. You can't push them to the back of the Bible and say, one day when I got to the end of Revelation, I'll consider them. God, willingness is submitting to the will of God. And discipline is submitting to the hand of God. And if we get to that point, <coughs> we will begin to be like Jesus. And that will please God no end. You know, I, I can't get over this sometimes, that you know, the God's desire is for us to know him and to be like Jesus. But... I believe that God gets excited that when we spend time with him. You know, in Hebrews it says there, he said, come on, come into my presence and sit with me. You know, the, that um, I think is, is, is Ephesians or Peter that says that God saved us from our sin and it gave him great pleasure. And that pleasure continues on and on and on. 
So wherever you are tonight, the big deal is that God loves you to bits. He loves you too much to leave you as you are. And if we're willing, he will shape us and take us to be like Jesus. The question is, what is the, uh, the most important thing in our lives? I love to, you know, that um, um, on Ascension Day uh, in Exmouth, we, uh, we don't usually celebrate Ascension Day because it's a Thursday. And it comes, but we decided to do something about it in Exmouth. And uh, on the morning, the Bishop of Crediton, Bishop Sarah, came down on the train with her dog collar on and whatnot and talked to people on the train. Uh, and in Exmouth, uh, outside, we got a, oh, by the way, we got a wonderful M&S food hall now in Exmouth. As if we didn't have shops where you could buy food, they decided to come and plonk themselves in the bus station, believe it or not, so that we got no bus station. But anyway, they were very generous that morning and gave us coffee to give out to people, to share with them what Ascension Day was all about, and to give them a copy of the Gospel of Luke that was produced uh, within the Thy Kingdom Come initiative. But that was a great joy to share with people. And that is a great joy. But God gets, I, I believe God gets the greatest joy out of you and me wanting to be like Jesus and to spend time in his presence. Amen. Let's um, let's sing that uh, three eight nine. Well, it's three eight nine in my book on the screen.